Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Today, we are speaking to one of the most amazing women that I have known in my 30 years of working with RSN. And I would say even my 54 years on this planet, if uh, a very young, inspiring young lady, her name is Jessica Fries. And uh, we're going to catch up with Jessica because we did a previous interview with her. And I'm excited to give an update. So welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. So the last time we interviewed you, um, just give a little summary about uh, how long you were on, you started dialysis and uh, to your transplant. Okay. Uh, I was about a year old when I started dialysis. At that time, um, I had my kidneys removed, my native kidneys. Started dialysis at a year old and spent 28 and a half years total on dialysis. That That, that is just mind-boggling. 20 and a, eight and a half years, and then you got the gift of life, a kidney transplant, because That's of correct. technology. I mean, tell a little bit about what why you didn't get transplanted for those 28 years. Well, I had one failed transplant in 1999 that only lasted nine days that was destroyed due to a rare condition that I have. It's called atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome. And unfortunately, the doctors felt that it would be too risky for me to try ahead, uh, try and do it again. So they ended up unlisting me for 10 years. So I waited 10 years to be relisted for another kidney transplant. You know, I... I was right there with you, not 10 years, but when I was told I wouldn't get a transplant, there's a little bit of advantage to being young, right? Because you just you just get up every day and live your life, don't you? H- how did you cope with that? Um, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't cope with it very well. Um, having to wait another 10 years to receive what would potentially and eventually relieve me from what I felt was a prison being hooked to a, a machine three days a week for three hours at a time. It was like living another job. I worked a part-time job and had to go to dialysis, did a whole nother job for three hours. I would come home feeling really tired and getting home late at times. And it just felt like I was trapped, in other words. <laughs> it, it is, but we do it to live, right? That is correct. We do it to live. And I'm curious, um, what kept you going the 28 and a half years? Did you have a fistula? I have, and it still works to this day. I actually have a graft in my right thigh area. Um, Like I said, to this day, it still works, even with the transplant in place. I was told, don't get it removed unless you really think it should happen. But doctors are telling me, don't get rid of it because you just never know what would happen. So they said, keep it going. So I still go for maintenance on it. I do my angioplasties every six months. They clean it out, make sure it's still working. And it's 
still throwing away. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit about your atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome because of the fact that um, there was treatment available. That's really what allowed you to get this transplant. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so with AHUS, uh, there are multiple different genetic mutations. I actually have one of them. Um, it's called factor H deficiency. It's an enzyme that's supposedly produced by the liver. Initially, they felt, oh, let's get just a liver transplant to replace the factor H. Well, that didn't turn out to be what the doctors felt would be needed. Um, so there is a new medication out. It's called Solaris. There's also another medication out called Ultimaris for AHUS patients. And what this medication does, it kind of how I describe it, forms a wall of China around the new kidney from the AHUS from attacking the new kidney. Um, so it's kind of being used like an anti-rejection medication. Well, you know, it's uh, I've seen some of the booths at different shows, and um, it's just amazing because, uh, you know, we've been around long enough to know about innovation and how you just got to stay alive till the next miracle happens. Right, Jessica? <laughs> right. So, so with this medication, unfortunately, means I have to get poked every two weeks to an IV pump 35 minutes at a time while the lovely medication goes through, the fluids go through, and all is good. But you don't have to do dialysis. Hey. That's yeah, a, that is good. Yeah. And, and how long has this kidney been working? I am going on four years this year. Oh, wow. And what was the first thing? I mean, I think this is important, but what was the biggest change that you saw after getting a transplant? Like, was it eating, drinking, not going? What, what was the biggest thing that you just, wow, I can't believe this is real? Well, the, the biggest thing was not necessarily just being able to enjoy a whole glass of fluid you know once you get a kidney you're like okay you're not limited anymore you can go for that um eating whatever you want that was not just necess necessarily my goal um it, the major thing was when i was able to actually urinate on my own for the first time because i had never done that <laughs> so and then again i had to kind of train my bladder i had an 11 month old bladder so being able to potty train myself that was the other thing was trying to strengthen the bladder <laughs> I, I you it, it's people laugh at it but it's just you know like you have a working kidney and I had the same issue when I got my third transplant my bladder hadn't been used in 12 years and right. so you know it's like you go to the bathroom every 15 minutes you literally live on the toilet um, until you can train it to not spasm and expand or you always feel like you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right, right. I, and actually, I started out with a nephrostomy tube. So, um, and the reason for that was because my bladder was so atrophied that it couldn't, it couldn't handle the amount of urine that was going into it. So, my kidney was literally producing, producing 750 cc's of urine when I first got out of the OR. Wow. If you can imagine a small little 11-month-old bladder trying to hold that amount of urine, it's just not possible. It's, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah, something's so going to pop. Yeah, that urine actually ended up backing up into the ureter, into the kidney, 
which they didn't figure out until they did a CT scan and said, oh, okay, well, the problem was my kidney actually fell asleep for a day because of this, too. So they had to jumpstart it with a dialysis treatment, and they said, okay, we're working again. Let's figure out what's going on. And that's where they said, we need to place a nephrostomy in. So what is your creatinine today? Um, my creatinine runs anywhere between, and I run a little higher than normal, um, but we're, we're all different, right? So my average is anywhere between 1.2 and 1.4. Okay. No, that's pretty darn good. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I've always admired you about is that you have always pursued working. You got a home, dating. Tell us about your work and, and how you, and when you decided to start a career in caring for animals. Okay. Well, um, I've actually had my vet tech license since 2011. Um, I knew pretty much since I was a little girl that somewhere down the line I was going to work with animals. In what way, I did not know which way I was going to go. Um, I could have done animal training, which I could still do as a vet tech. But because I've been exposed to the medical field for so long, I said, well, why not become a vet tech? See how what they do on a daily basis. And so that's when, after I graduated from high school, I went into college and pursued a degree in veterinary technology. And so what was that like? I mean, um, you know, I, I love animals. I had a little black poodle that kept me going most of my life. And, and how was that caring for animals who, I guess not all of them are sick. Some of them are just being having their regular checkups. Um, well, on a, on a typical basis where, where I work, it, it, it's a busy place. Um, if you can imagine, you got healthy patients coming in for their, their annual checkups. They're getting their vaccines. They're, you know, maybe coming in for just a heartworm toss, you know, like a normal routine. And then again, you've got emergencies coming in where maybe an animal is severely ill and you have to jump into action and figure out what's wrong. So it can be stressful. It's a very busy type of career. Um, it's challenging. You learn something new every day. But in the end, it's a rewarding career. And and how do you um, deal with possible infection. I mean, I, I think it's just more for the listeners uh, because people think, oh, if you're involved with animals, you, you can't have a transplant. I'm like, which is, is not true. So how do you protect yourself with the animals like to being bit or are you worried about that or any type of infections? Yeah. Initially, I was told that, Jessica, you should not be working with animals. We can't transplant you. I said, well, this is, this is, part of life you know like I'm gonna work in a career whether it's in animal medicine or human medicine and actually I have a degree also as a medical assistant but aside from that any infection for instance I was scratched at work and I said oh I see it all right I gotta go ahead and wash my hands I gotta you know make sure it's cleaned out but other than that if, if there's Something that is of concern, I don't go near that animal. Um, if it's a litter box, you know, we all know we got to wear gloves. We got to maybe wear a mask. And those things are available to me to use, which is good. 
Um, but other than that, if there's if there's an animal, say, that is not vaccinated, I'm going to have to tell somebody, I'm sorry, but I can't go near that animal. Do you work 40 hours a week? I do. I work full time. Do you have any animals of your own? Uh, at the moment, I don't. Um, somewhere down the line, someday I will intend to get one. Um, just right now, it's just not the right time as I'm trying to get my home, you know, fixed up. I have a window that needs to be replaced. Some other things need to be fixed up. Somewhere down the line, yeah, I'll probably uh, consider getting a pet. And um, and I, a little birdie told me that you just bought your first home. I did, yeah. So um, towards the uh, end of December, uh, it was before Christmas, I moved into my new home. And that's, uh, how is that? Is this the first time you've lived by yourself? It is. It is the first time I'm living on my own, yes. And how is that? Is it, it you know, because it's it's such a big change. Is it is it a welcome change? It, it, it was actually um, kind of like a long-term goal I was trying to reach. Unfortunately, with some complications with my health, it couldn't be pursued right away. So I saved up for years to get my own place. Um, and now I am an owner of a condo in Amherst, New York. And I have, it, at first it was an adjustment. It was something like, okay, you know, I'm on my own now. I got to figure out my schedule. I got to figure out how to do certain things. But my parents have helped me along the way. And I have very helpful neighbors as well. So um, it became an easy transition after that. Well, and, you know, you live in New York where it snows. I'm like, I see that snow and I'm like, uh, somebody from Southern California is like, how do you get out of the house in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I, I, and I've been out in your neck of the woods where it was like 60 something and I was wearing shorts. So then people were looking at me straight and they're like, guys, I come from Buffalo, New York where it snows. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, you do what you have to do when it when it snows, when it's cold and nasty. You can't say I want to. Some of us say, "Oh, we want to stay inside, stay in bed." You know, some of us don't have a choice. Um, so, for in my instance here, I have infusions to get to. I have to get monthly labs done. I have to go and get my medication. I don't have somebody here to help me with that. <laughs> so, um, and then I work full time, so I don't have choices but to go out in the snow when it snows. And and how are you managing COVID with all this? Managing COVID has been pretty simple on my end. Um, my nephrologist has been helpful with a lot of this. My transplant center said, uh, go ahead, get the vaccine when you can. So I did. I'm vaccinated. If I'm going grocery shopping, I wear my mask. I'm putting hand sanitizer on. You know, I watch my distance. If there's somebody that's close to me, I kind of stay back a little bit. Um, but it's been pretty simple to just simply put on a mask. And you and you also wear a mask at work, right? Um, when I'm around clients, yes. Uh, when I'm with my coworkers, because we're all vaccinated, um, we're able to be around each other. Wait, wait, I know. It's so weird. Um, I just got my antibody test, and I have no antibodies. So after the vaccine, um, uh, sadly, I didn't make any. So we'll see what yeah. the next step is. Yeah. Um, so what about dating, social life? What do you like to do for fun? Um, there's a lot of things I like to do. I, I enjoy being outdoors. I enjoy going camping. Uh, that's one of the things I enjoy doing. I go to movies. Um, sometimes I'll have just a night in here doing something. 
I mean, I haven't really gone out on a date in a little bit, but, um, you know, I haven't found the right person just yet. But, you know, it's just kind of hard to juggle when you have a full-time job, but you find time to do that. Right. Well, they must love dogs, right? Yes, they must love dogs. So maybe we could just put a little appeal out there. What would be your ideal person to date? Just give us a description. An ideal person. So, yes. so somebody who, you know, is funny, who likes to, you know, have, have fun, um, who is not scared to get close to somebody who has medical issues. I've had this happen. People are like, oh, no, I don't want to get involved with that. And they have to understand that I work with animals and you're going to have to love animals whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and if they have a good insurance policy, you'd take it, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your goals for the future? Let's, uh, you know, you, you, you amaze me. Um, goals for the future. I mean, we, I lived through a pandemic. That's one thing I've already accomplished already. Um, I've lived through a rare disease. I'm already participating in the transplant games this year. So, um, I, I mean, for the future, the future is beyond here. So, I mean, down the line, I see myself maybe traveling somewhere without any restrictions. I'm hoping to visit family who live in other states sometime soon. We'll see. Um, but the busy schedule is going to be hard to negotiate, but hey, don't have to set up dialysis anymore, so that'll be a good thing. <laughs> um, just living life for the future, continuing what I'm doing at this time. Well, you know, Jessica, I, I came to realize that people ask me, how do you accomplish so much, Lori? And, you know, like, because I do a lot of things and, and you do the same thing. And I think when you were conditioned to have to put dialysis in your life, for the amount of time that we did as a child and still do everything, it kind of conditions you when you aren't on dialysis, like you have an extra, you know, 10 hours or something in your day uh, because you made everything work with dialysis. And then when you don't do dialysis, it's like you have extra time and can accomplish more. Um, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting how that works. Exactly. I mean, when you're on dialysis, you're kind of restricted. You got to work around a dialysis schedule three days a week. You may not be able to work full time, but while I was on dialysis, I did part time jobs. So it worked around the schedule that I had. Once I was transplanted, that I kind of had the state of mind like, oh, I don't have anywhere to go today. I don't have to get up early and go to a dialysis center and get hooked up. Um, I can do whatever I want with my day, go to work, go take a bike ride around my neighborhood, um, you know, stay home and relax. You know, there, there, the sky is the limit when you're a transplant recipient. You're <laughs> free from what was pulling you back. I know it's uh, it's it's just remarkable um, what the gift of life does. Uh, so you know, to close, um, you know, what advice do you have for people who have kidney disease who need motivation and to pursue their dreams of you know, like at a young age, you knew you wanted a career uh, and you didn't let dialysis stop you. So what what suggestions do you have? Um, well, my suggestion is always have a supportive network of people around you. 
whether it's family or friends that encourage you to keep going. Um, that's part of the reason why I'm still here today. I've had plenty of supportive family and friends around me. My parents always encouraged me, you're not defined by your condition. You're not defined by dialysis. You define who you are. So to those who are needing motivation, dialysis does not define you. You define what you want to do in life. If you want to go out and get a career while you're on dialysis, it is very possible. You know, you have the determination, the motivation to do it. I think go for it. If you have a dream you want to proceed, do it. Dialysis doesn't have to tie you down. It doesn't define who you are. You define you. It's so true. You know, I mean, I meet people all the time that say, well, once I get a transplant, I'll start living my life. And you just can't do that. You just can't do that. You have to continue on. And when you get, if you get a transplant and it works, we mean we both had failed transplants. It doesn't always go as planned. You have you have to make a choice to do what you can. Where in the situation you are. And uh, you are uh, you are absolutely amazing, Jessica Fries. I mean, Fries is an interesting last name, especially now you can eat a, all of the fries you want. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've already had the pleasure of enjoying some fries. <laughs> so, um, and chocolate was the major other thing that I enjoy, and a lot of my friends found out. Oh, Jess is the biggest chocoholic. I said, No, I'm a born again chocolate. Exactly. I know it's it's amazing how many things people take for granted until till they're taken away. You don't always appreciate them. Right. Um, that's for certain. Well, you're uh, amazing. I can't wait to see where you're going to go. And uh, you're getting ready. You're going to be selling your five year kidney anniversary. I think you need to do something fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing your next journey. Yep, it's uh, four years as of August 19th, so we're, and it was actually, and I have to mention this, I actually got the call on the very day my best friend was celebrating her birthday. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> so she, uh, she made a wish every birthday that, oh, Jess is going to get, she needs a kidney, Jess is going to get a kidney, and that was her birthday wish, so... The year 2017 came around. I had to call her when I got the call, and she was ecstatic. So I was happy to to grant her a birthday wish. And now you can you can celebrate together your new birthday, right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Jessica, and uh, we'll stay in touch. That we will. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.